Action Church, you doing well? Everybody's doing good? Come on here at Winter Park, Sanford, South Orlando, Oviedo, worshiping online. We are in week three. Everybody say three. Three. Week three of Ten Commandments. And I'm just here to tell you, it's not gonna get any more fun over the next three weeks. And it's just, we, uh, you're like, man, those first two weeks talking about the law, that was a blast. I'm just telling you, it's kind of all downhill from here. We're really getting in to a little thing called uh, behavior modification over the next three weeks. No, just kidding. But seriously, it's not gonna be very much fun. And so if you want fun, go back and watch Songfest or throw a party at your house this afternoon. It's just not, it's just not gonna be fun. It's just one of those deals. We're gonna get through it together, uh, but it's just, it's just not, it's not gonna be, you're not, you're not gonna think, man, that was light and easy. I am so, feel so much lighter after church today. It's just not one of those days. And so, take a deep breath. All right, let's jump in, let's jump in. Let's do a re- recap for those of you who are new. It's the 10 commandments. We are in commandment number five and six today. First John chapter two, verses three through six. Let's bring some context together. It says, we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Now let's be really clear, we talked about it the first two weeks, but if you're just joining us today, we are not talking about a religion in which we do certain things to get to God. There's nothing that you can do to get closer to God. What Jesus has already done on his, through his life, his death, and his resurrection is what brings us into right standing with God. What First John is telling us is based on what Jesus did, you and I have a choice to make to accept him or to deny him, but once we accept him, our life should look differently. That we should be people that want to live according to God's standard. Now, inspired and empowered by the Holy Spirit, but we should look different. The Ten Commandments are the beginning of God's law. And I just want to remind you today that God's law is better than man's law. So I brought four more state laws today because we've had a blast. Four more. We found four more state laws that are ridiculous and proving that God's law is better than man's law. In Massachusetts, it says this, it's prohibited to dance to the star-spangled banner (laughs) thanks to an excessively patriotic 1917 law. You cannot dance, you stand. Stand, right here, right here, no dancing, no moving. I don't know what they would say, can you sway? Can you white man dance? Can you keep it right here in the pocket? Like, I don't, that's funny. Because I would say whenever I move, nobody would ever consider it dancing. So I, I think I would be fine within the law in mass. Mississippi. In Mississippi, this is a great one. There are no limits to big gulp sizes. It's important. Mississippi Governor Phil Bryant signed a law preventing his state's lawmakers from enacting rules that limit portion sizes. Phil's a great man. Because you know, if there's one thing I don't want anybody to tell me not to do, it's how big my big gulp can be. You know what I mean? I just give me all of the calories, all the sugar. Nevada, in Nevada, it is illegal to use an x-ray device to determine someone's shoe size. How did, how did that become a problem? Like, are you at Foot Locker and you're getting an x-ray and an MRI? Like, I don't understand. We are weird. 
That's why I'm so grateful that we're not a part of a, a man-made religion because when we get involved and start making up stuff, it gets weird. Here's the last one, New Hampshire. In New Hampshire, it is forbidden to collect seaweed from the beach at night. Hey, listen, I don't know where your life currently stands, but I, I want to trade lives with some of these lawmakers. They have nothing else wrong in their life that they are worried about pe people picking up seaweed. Like that, I would just like to change stress levels and problems and seasons with these people. Just restrictive laws. You see, we want to operate in behavior modification. We want to change how people act instead of educating or teaching or walking alongside people in relationship. We want to regulate it or we want to write it down. Man's laws are restrictive, but I need to remind you that God's laws are not restrictive, they're protective. And the Ten Commandments, they don't take away our freedom, they actually provide it. God the Father, through Moses, gave the Ten Commandments to his chosen people. Why? Because they were coming out of 430 years of slavery. He was starting the, Levit the Levitical law uh, through the Ten Commandments, not so to tell them what not to do, but tell them who they should be. Because they wouldn't have known for generations. They would have been slaves. They would have been owned by someone else. They did not know who they were. So God gave them a, a standard. He gave them a list of how to live because these these rules, these commandments, this standard is not against you, it's for you. The Ten Commandments, we've spent the first two weeks talking about the first four, they are God-centered or God-centric. They revolve around our relationship with God. Well, today and the next two weeks, we're gonna talk about our relationships with others. Now that we've talked about putting God first and building our life on a foundation with a relationship with him, now we're gonna jump in and we're gonna talk about how do we treat each other. God writes to his chosen people and says, here's what you should do um, in Exodus chapter 20. Let's go to Exodus 20 for our, uh, our first uh, commandment of the day. Exodus chapter 20, and we'll start reading uh, in verse 12. It says, honor your father and mother. All the parents said, amen. amen. <laughs> then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You know, what's crazy is this, this fifth commandment is the only commandment with a promise. That if you do this, you will live a, a long life. You, you will be blessed. It's saying basically if you honor, you're blessed. And I wanna jump into that in just a moment. I wanna read a New Testament passage. This is not just an Old Testament thing. Ephesians chapter six, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. He's talking about little children. He's talking about growing up. He's saying children obey, but then he puts a, a filter on how we should treat our parental figures all throughout our life and, and, and all seasons of life. It says, honor your father and mother. I need to let you know today that obedience and honor are two different things. Honor is an attitude. Honor is a posture. Honor is a, is a, is a perception or a filter. Obedience is an action. Honor your father and mother. No, it doesn't say obey your father and mother for your whole life, that would be weird. It says leave your father and mother and, and go and do like your own thing, your own calling. But it, there's, a, there's a sense of honor in which we see our, our parents, maybe even to take a little bit further today, our, our spiritual authority, our, our, our mentors, our government. There's just honor is a, is a posture of a believer. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. How many would say that's a good, that's a good idea? 
Yep, God says it, I, I believe it. Things will go well for you and you'll have a long life on earth. Why? Because if you don't honor your father and mother, they're gonna kill you. You know, like, I don't even think that's like, that's, what, what does he mean? Exactly what you think he means. If you don't obey them, they're gonna kill you before you live a long life. Like, this isn't complicated. I wanna jump in and talk about honor just for a second. This, this family unit, or this, this honoring, is a, is a posture of our heart. And it's really more than just, just, just parents, it's a structure in which we should build our whole life. That we see people through a filter of, of honor. Respect and honor, the, the Hebrew word here is the word kabod. It means to, to give weight or value. It's a heaviness of importance or reverence or respect that we're called to honor our parents. Write this down if you're taking notes. Honor is a decision you make, not something they deserve. It doesn't say honor your mom and dad if they deserve it. It just says honor them. Doesn't say honor your spiritual authority if they deserve it, just says honor. Doesn't say honor delegated authority in the earth if they deserve it. Well, hold on, Pastor. Let's go back to the parents for a second. What if I don't agree with them? Well, submission to authority is not required when you agree. That's called agreement. So honoring and submitting to our, 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 our parents, if you will, or our authority, if you will, is, is a choice made in advance, not a response based on an action. What if I don't agree? It's okay. Now, I'm not talking about sin. Let's, let's, let's jump into a heavier topic. What if there's abuse? Well, what if my parents are verbally abusive or emotionally abusive or physically abusive or sexually abusive? Well, let me be very clear. Get out, be safe, and then find freedom. And especially as adults in here, how long are we gonna let what happened to us define who we're going to be? And I just wanna submit to you, you've got great parents in here, thank God for that. You have terrible parents in here, like learn to thank God for that. Because he can bring you out of it. And he can heal you and he can set you free and he can use you. And I'm just here to tell you, regardless of what happens to us, forgiveness is always greater than bitterness. It doesn't matter, I, we can't change it. What I'm saying is the Bible is saying honor your parents. As we get older and we realize what happened great and bad, we don't always honor the action, we honor the position. Because the blessing is on you and me. I don't have to honor because everybody always deserves it, I honor because the Bible tells me to and if I honor, it says I will be blessed. This is for us. Because God blesses honor, and we see throughout Scripture that he, he curses dishonor. Again, I'm not talking about staying unsafe or staying in sin. I'm talking about a posture of honoring people. You follow me today? Yeah. I, I want to flip it a little bit. I want to talk about honor, but I want to talk to parents for the next 10 minutes or so of living a life worth honoring. So I wanna challenge the parents today. I, I feel like we get the idea of, of honor. We should choose it. God says, bless it. It's a posture of our heart that we're called to build up people and encourage people and, and, and respect people. I wanna talk about parenting for a few, moment, for a few minutes. And uh, I think there's three styles. I find three styles of, of parenting. The first one is an, uh, an oppressive style. 
Come on, this is probably where a lot of the dads fit in, uh, maybe some moms too, but we get a little oppressive. That's why Colossians chapter three, put it on the screen for them, team. This is written to fathers. Fathers, doesn't say fathers and mothers because it knows it's gonna be more of a struggle for men. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. This is an, an oppressive style of parenting. And I just wanna remind some, some dads and some moms in here, fear doesn't equal respect. Just because they're afraid of you doesn't mean they respect you. And that fear will turn to discouragement as they get older. So they may do what you say now, but an oppressive style leads to at some point a break in relationship because it's do it because I said so or else. Stop it, why? Because I said so. Well, great. But why in the world would they stop that pattern when they don't know why what they're doing is wrong? They just know it makes you angry. So they're going to pacify you until they no longer have to. But we're not changing anything in their heart because we're not having the conversation. So it's because I said so. Here's the second one. We'll move through this pretty quick. It's permissive style. We have the oppressive style and then we have the permissive style style. This one is way more popular in 2021. I'm just going to be all in your business for the next 20 minutes. I'm just, I dressed up, I put on my glasses so I look older. I was like, does he even have kids? Yes, I have, I have an 11, almost 11 and seven year old. We're not through it yet, but I also have the Bible then. So it doesn't really matter. Like, so, so hold on. Thank you, Pastor Eddie. Your children are not the priority of your life. Child-centered parenting is one of the greatest tools of the enemy. Because we cease to become leaders and parents and we seek to become friends. Let's just avoid any negative emotions in our home. You're okay. We're okay. We're gonna be fine. I know you lost the game, but you're a champion. No, you're not. Little Billy missed the game-winning goal. He choked. And he needs to sit in that for a few moments and realize that life's gonna be full of heartache and failure and then process it. He did not win. He lost. Clearly, gloriously, defeated. We're called to train and to mold, not to enable and appease and be friends and, and justify bad behavior. <laughs> our biggest concern too often is for our kids to like us. And that shouldn't be in the top five. Seriously. Because write this down, later is longer. And I promise you, if we get to this third style that I'll get to in just a second, we will build a relationship that can last and not just one that feels good in the moment. There's oppressive style, there's permissive style. Here's the third one. Here's we're gonna spend the next few moments on a biblical style, a biblical style of parenting. Biblical parents. How many of you wanna be biblical parents in here? Anybody? Some of you are like, I don't wanna be parents at all. That could be a good call. <laughs> you can't ever give them back. <laughs> They're here, always there. 
Any other, any other parents have kids like me, you just wake up and they're just staring at you. You're like, oh God, how long have you been there? You little creeper. Biblical style of parenting, write this down, called to nurture. We are called to nurture our kids. Kids spell love, T-I-M-E. Time. Do they have your attention? And when they have your time, do they have your heart and your mind? It's not just being there, it's actually being present. If you're not listening to them now, they're not gonna listen to you later. Think about it. The stories are not that good. How was your day? Dear God, Bentley, you have not breathed in the last five minutes. I heard everything. But if I'm not careful now at 15, 20, 25, if I don't make the investment of listening now and being intentional now, what happens as he gets older, he'll, he will have seen Dad was there, but he wasn't really there, and so our relationship could flip. If I'm not listening now, he may not be listening later. We're called to nurture. I need you to know your, your heavenly father. We talk about parenting, you say have bad parents. We all have a heavenly father who is perfect, who loves you. And God, God nurtures you. He wants time with you. And he's always available. And he's always there. And he always wants to hear about your highs and lows, your wins and your losses. We have a heavenly father that wants to nurture us and he, he demonstrates that all throughout scripture. We don't have time to get in that today. The second thing a parent is called to do is a parent is called to discipline. I'm gonna have to go back to my notes because I don't wanna mess any of this up. <laughs> called to discipline. Lack of discipline is a lack of love. Proverbs 13, <laughs> whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Be very, be very clear, discipline without correction is abuse. It's not a punishment. It's an acknowledgement of wrong behavior and then a redirection to your future. Be consistent, parents. Be consistent. Place guardrails, but make sure you consistently place them in the same place. Anybody else struggle with that? That's, that's my thing. Like, if I'm in a good mood, the guardrails are here. And if I'm in a bad mood, the guardrails are here. Have you noticed that your response to your kids is usually not dictated on their action, but your attitude? You ever been there before? I'm playing with Bentley in the kitchen. We're playing, we're, we're running around, we're slapping each other as hard as we can on the butt. I'm cooking some breakfast. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Bentley, what are you doing? Like, stop. He literally breaks down in tears. He goes, dad, what changed in the last 30 seconds? We were having so much fun. And then I was done because I was busy and I was cooking, he didn't change, the guardrails moved. He's like, wait a second, kids want guardrails, they want discipline, they want safety, they want to know if I do this, I get this. So we gotta work on being consistent. It's not punishment, it's teaching them standards. And it's explaining it. The discipline always has to come with correction. What is the goal of discipline? Catch this, is to get their attention. 
Let me get your attention so that I can capture your heart and now we can actually learn and grow. And it's different for all different kids. I have two different kids. Maybe you have more. The same thing doesn't work with all of them. Some of them may have to be stronger to get their attention. And I'm not gonna get it today, but it's in the Bible. Maybe a little rod in private right now because you can't do that in public anymore, but I'm just saying it's in the Bible. And I don't know how to teach a two-year-old not to run in the street. Hey, that's gonna be bad for you. No. Yeah, I'm gonna stop there. But I've also got a very soft-hearted young man that we're, we are growing in his faith, and it doesn't take a lot. It takes a look or a question or an acknowledgement, and we have a healthy brokenness, and now we can have a conversation. The goal of discipline is not to punish, it's to get their attention so that we can begin to mold their hearts. Thank you, Pastor Eddie. Everybody else is like, I feel like I'm being disciplined right now. You're not. <laughs> Just wait, it's getting worse. This is, we're in the easy part. <laughs> called to nurture, called to discipline. Here's the third one. We're called to guide. We're called to guide. Proverbs 22, verse six. Train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's a promise that a lot of us parents have to cling to through the teenage years and the college years or the tough seasons. We just have to, we have to pray that. We have to believe that. And we have to intercede for that. Well, what happens if it doesn't look that way? I'm just saying that's what the Bible tells us to believe for our faith. We can put our, our trust in this promise. I'm gonna train up my child the best that I can in the Lord and I'm gonna believe that when he gets older or she gets older, they're not gonna depart from it regardless of how it looks right now. Our calling, parents, is to lay a foundation for our kids to find fulfillment. Not safety, not comfort, not success, but fulfilling the plan that God has for them. We're called to, to train their heart. And let me, let me show you the difference in these, in these styles, and then I wanna put it actually in our church context as well. You, you have a kid running uh, uh, in across the street or running in the grocery store. Parents would say, stop running! Oppressives just says, no running because I said so. Permissive says, ah, just let boys be boys. Let them run around the store. You're what's wrong with America. <laughs> Biblical draws attention. Hey, Bentley, stop running. Did you not see that, that person that was crossing the street? There's danger in that car. There's a person that you cut off. Be respectful to your elders. Or there was a, a disabled person that was there. There's so many different conversations we can have once we get the attention. of we don't run, but here's why. If we teach them the why consistent enough, we'll stop having to correct the what. You wonder why you have to say the same thing over and over and over again? Well, maybe because they're three, get over it. But when they're 11, 12, 13, maybe it's because you haven't explained the why and they don't know why they stopped, so we have to keep correcting behavior when we could have been training the heart. Tell people, tell our kids, don't be disrespectful. Why? Because I said so. Oppressive. Don't be disrespectful, passive. You know what, he's... He's just tired. Oh, man. I'm sorry, Bentley, he's just, he's tired. He just needs a nap. No, he's being a punk. <laughs> he needs to be corrected. No, it's like, hey, bud, don't say that, and here's why. We don't speak to people this way because of this. We don't speak to people this way because of that. I want to parent you for a second. You ready? 
we have a, uh, we have a consistent pattern all of, our, of all of our locations. Uh, people arrive late and they leave early. Oppressive would be when we're up here and you're leaving early. It'd be like, sit down, you idiot. We're not done. <laughs> Clearly still up here. Didn't get all dressed up for nothing. There's still time on the clock. Permissive would just, or passive would just be, yeah, hey, do whatever you want. Come and leave. It's fine. Biblical would be, hey, here, lean in for a second. We come together as a church, Ecclesia, a gathering of the body believers one day a week for 65 or 70 minutes. We're not here for three hours. Calm down. It's 70 minutes, max. And highly entertaining, if I do say so myself. <laughs> We're here one day a week for 65 minutes. Show up on time. Stay for the full 65 minutes. Prioritize God. Come ready to worship. Come expecting God to, to, to do something in your life. Come ready to, to give or to serve. Like, don't, don't wait. Like, I, I, I enter his, his courts with thanksgiving and with praise. Like, I, I'm coming in. You know what? It's gonna take you about 15 minutes to get on the property and check your kids in. What if we became a church that was, I can't, I can't miss it because I can't wait to see what God is going to do. It, it goes from a consumption, from a spectator to a participation. And we're just, We have the opportunity to worship God and we may have the misfortune of missing out on God when we don't make him a, a priority. It's not for us, it's for you. We're gonna do the same thing either way. I'm just trying to make this the priority in your life and if it's not priority practically, it's probably not a priority personally. <laughs> and there are a lot of other great churches that you're probably gonna go to next week and so. <laughs> We're gonna, have the, we're gonna have a really small church, but we're gonna be on time and we're gonna stay the whole time. That's just, that's just who we're gonna be. It's fine. And if you get up when I'm still talking, I am gonna call you out. And if you just have to go to the bathroom, I apologize in advance. So sorry. I drank three waters. I'm sorry. Let's move on to an easier topic. Exodus 20, don't murder. I just, I'm just so excited about this series. <laughs> Here's the principle. Don't kill anybody. Let's pray. We're done. No, seriously. You shouldn't kill people. <laughs> I thought about just leaving it there. But let's, let's dive in. Giving and taking life is God's role not ours. So don't murder. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. I don't think we have to dive in. If you're thinking about murdering, talk to a location pastor and let us call the police. <laughs> but let's get serious for the next few moments. Don't kill anybody, and that would include yourself. So let's talk about suicide for a second because I know in, in rooms this size that there are people that have wrestled with it, know somebody that has wrestled with it, has attempted it, or have been a part of it being attempted. And I just need you to hear 
that you're not as alone as the enemy has made you feel. And there are people in your rows, in your auditoriums, a phone call away, who aren't just gonna give you principles or what you should and shouldn't do, but they've probably been right in that same spot. And people have felt the same way you've felt. And they've been hurt the same way you've been hurt. And they've been addicted to the same things you've been addicted to. And there's a story of redemption or forgiveness or victory. Just don't give up. Go and watch Pretty Little Liars from a few years ago, Assembly Required or Week Two of Song Fest. Like we have resources on our website. All of our pastors and our leaders are available. Like you are not as alone as you think you are. It's the greatest tool of the enemy for, for you to think that nobody knows what you're going through. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, at our church, we would not be speculating to your situation. We would have experienced it and we'd love to meet you right there in the middle of it. Don't, don't kill anybody else, but, but don't kill yourself. That's not your job. You're not God. You're not God of somebody else's life and you're not God of even your own life. And so don't pretend that you're more important than you are or less important than you are. God has you right here. And don't take God's role. It says do not kill, and that would be yourself as well. I'm gonna jump into this, but I gotta go to my notes as well. A lot of, a lot of going back to the notes today. Murder, suicide. And I wanna talk about abortion just for a moment. It says in Jeremiah that, that God knew us before he even formed us in our mother's womb. It's a spiritual principle. Like God had something for you to do, Ephesians 2, and then he created you to do it. Life starts on this earth at the moment of conception. And this is not just a biblical and spiritual issue anymore. It's scientific. Have you not seen an ultrasound? It's life. Go to the first part of the Gospels. The first person to acknowledge the presence of Jesus outside of Mary was a fetus, John the Baptist. It says he leapt inside. But you call it supernatural. It's a miracle. But a baby on the inside of a mother recognized another human. It's murder. No other way to say it. I may not say this in the next service and we may lose some people. It's not your body, it's a different body. You can't live somebody else's purpose. How could somebody else's body be your choice? It's mattering, I get it. It's tough. I get it. The world has made it an empathy issue, but we're concerned about the wrong person. We should be concerned about the person that doesn't have a choice. I also wanna be clear that if you're fighting for the unborn, but you're not fighting for people that are suffering in this earth, you've made it a political issue and not a person issue. So I'm not getting into border control or politics, but if you don't have the same heart for other people that are hurting 
or don't have an option or don't have a choice, I would just like for all of us to put ourselves in other people's shoes, in war-ravaged nations, in poverty-stricken nations, and say, would you not try and get out too? And I'm not solving the problem. It's a real problem to solve, and we should have people solving it. What I'm saying is, as Christians, our perspective of those people should be just as passionate as it is for the unborn. You cannot be pro-life in the womb and then not pro-life outside of the womb. It's not possible. It's not possible. Let me pastor people, because there are people in our church that have made that decision. We actually even have small groups happening right now for women who have made that decision to say, hey, you're not alone. That is not gonna define you. We have all sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. I wanna remind you, if you've made that decision, God, the world would say that that's a terrible sin. All sin separates us from God. I wanna remind you, God does not stack sins like this. It's not a hierarchy. It's right beside each other because we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. He forgives you, we forgive you. That is not the end. God can still use that story to help other people. If, you're struggling with that decision. We have resources, not only for you to pray through that and walk through that, but to help you both financially and relationally through that. Amen. We shouldn't kill. I wanna end with something that we all can relate to because the Bible also says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. So our murder could be in the form of our words. We could be killing Futures, dreams, destinies by how we speak about ourselves and others. Jesus says in the New Testament that you've heard it said, thou shalt not murder, but I say if you hate your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. I wonder how many people and relationships and dreams we've killed with our words. Matthew 15 because it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You're defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. I wanna to submit to you today that the words of anger and hate, I'm gonna say it this way. I think they kill more of you than they kill others. So it's not the words that go in, it's the words that come out. Because if we say it long enough, we'll begin to believe it. And that's where bitterness and numbness and a hardness of our, of our heart becomes to separate us from healthy relationships. How are you speaking about people? The Bible talks about our, our tongue, our words being a rudder on a big ship. If we're a big ship and we're going a direction, it's a small instrument, but it, God, it controls the whole thing. I think it's the same with how we speak. I'd like to be known as a church, a group of people that speak life, that encourage. We talk about it all the time at Action Church. Encouragement is affirmation and correction. Because encourage just means to add courage to somebody's journey. And sometimes I need to be affirmed and sometimes I need to be corrected. How are we speaking about people? How we're speaking about people will ultimately affect how we're treating people and how we treat people demonstrates how we view God. I think we'll wrap up with this, this thought, connecting these two together. I think it's back to that term, honor. 
I think we should choose to honor all people. Not obey all people. Not be in relationship with all people if they've hurt you or been toxic or abusive. I'm not saying that. I'm saying honor them because God sent his one only son to die for them. And honor is not about what they deserve. It's about what I decide. So I'm changing my perspective on people, all people, leaders, peers, people that I'm helping or that I'm serving. And I'm choosing a posture of honor, not in a reactionary form, but in a decision form, because I want to see people like God sees people. And I want the promises and the blessings of God. So I choose honor. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes at every location. God, we love you. We thank you for your word today in Exodus 20 and Ephesians 6. Pray that it changes us. I pray all of us, myself included, we wrestle with this. If we're parents in here, we wrestle with how to be better. As children in here, we, we wrestle with how to honor and posture ourselves in a place of respect. God, I pray that we would, we would fight for life in all forms. Prioritize people in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. So I wanna give you an opportunity, church, to make a decision to follow Jesus today. It's an important one. We didn't talk a lot about it today, so let me give you a, a brief synopsis because I really believe the Holy Spirit, even talking about honoring and, and anger. And we gather together, the Holy Spirit moves and there's somebody here today that had a, a meeting with Jesus. Today's your day of salvation. Jesus, the perfect son of God, he lived a perfect life. That's important because you and I could not. An unholy people could never be reconciled to a holy God. So Jesus came and he lived perfect. So he could die as a substitute in our place. His death on the cross gives us access to grace and forgiveness, mercy and our very salvation. His resurrection gives us power over sin in the grave. And he did most of the work. And what he tells us is to receive, to surrender and receive. Romans 10, if we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord, that he will begin a relationship with us. I'm gonna give that opportunity right now to make that decision, to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. The key word you need to hear is surrender. To confess somebody as Lord means to give them control, which means you have to surrender your will to his will. I'm gonna give you that opportunity right now at all of our locations. If that's you, say, Pastor Justin, count me in. I wanna commit my life to Jesus. Or I've walked aisles, I've prayed prayers, I've raised my hand, but today is a day of recommitment. I wanna recommit my life to Jesus. Would you raise your hand right where you are? Come on, quickly. Got one, two. Anybody else in here? Say, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Amazing. Come on, Sanford, South Orlando, Oviedo, and online. Just a few more moments. Proud of you. You can put your hands down. Why don't you pray this in your hearts? I pray it out loud. Say this. Say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. I'm confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord and I'm giving you that place today, complete and total control. God, have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. God, I pray for all of us today. Again, we'd be people of honor in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody at Action Church said amen and amen. Church, can we celebrate all of the decisions? Come on, really celebrate them. Awesome.